Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Eyes, the QPR podcast, which is still going somehow. Not sure how, but still going. Um, joining me tonight is a member of the pod, which is Charlie Wise. You doing all right, Charlie? Very well. Nice to be back. Uh, it was a nice... Uh, I missed Fleetwood and I'm glad I missed the pod too, because I was just trying to skip past that one as fast as possible, but glad to be back after, yeah, not a bad result on Saturday. No, well, Fleetwood was a, was a more a, a cleansing of the soul of 52 FA Cup exits and um, if you could stop spinning around and doing a, a version of um, You Spin Me Learn Like a Record is Paul Stokes. See what I did there, Paul? Oh, very good, yes. Uh, I, hello. It was crap, wasn't it? I was, it was a beautiful pun. You do look like a bit like Pete Burns, to be fair. So I was, I'll tell you as a compliment. You, know, you should, you should. And how are you, Paul? You all right? I seen you Saturday at Reading, by the way, and um, we, we weren't too happy at that point, but I did see you. Yes, yeah, I, I'm all right. I mean, I'm much happier after the second half at Reading and uh, generally quite happy with with, with uh, the, the world as it is, apart from all the things that I'm not extremely disappointed about. <laughs> Same as usual. <laughs> OK, I think I get that. And we've got Jack Lawrence-Brown, who is also the drummer of White Lies and um, one of our first guests on the podcast way, way, way back in the day when he was young and a weird Belfast bloke said, where did you come in our podcast? And he did, and I must have scared the life out of you. Welcome back, Jack, after all these years. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It only took me like 12 years to come back on. So that's that's how scary you are to first meet. I'd say the second meeting, 12 years later, I feel comfortable again. No, because I met you in the Adelaide, didn't I? And then I said, come yeah. on, and you came in with your guitar. And it was, oh, what do we do the podcast in, Des? It was down by Soho. Yeah. It was somewhere like Berwick Street or somewhere like that, and yeah. you came in, and I felt sorry for you because you came in your wee guitar for your wee lockup, and um, yes, and you're not like regular, eh? No way, I had a guitar with me. I'm a drummer. There's no chance I had a guitar with me, <laughs> unless I'd no, stolen did. it. I definitely didn't have a guitar. Like you did, you look on your back. I'm sure Chris Charles could back me up on this one. Well, it's a lovely image, so all right, yeah, I came in with <laughs> Okay, this should be edited out. Well, the podcast is going well so far. I just spoke. I'm sure you came in with a guitar. I know you're a drummer. I'm not stupid. Well, I am stupid, but yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe I borrowed one. No, do you know what? Maybe I, maybe I had one for some reason. I take it. But anyway, it's a, it's a pleasure to be back after you, this many years. You said, you said you took it from a lockup, which was nearby, that you were doing some recordings. That feels like a story that, that could have happened, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that, sure. He's being nice now. Anyway, <laughs> all black regular. Yeah. And uh, have you enjoyed this season, Jack, so far? Uh, well, I enjoyed the bits that were that were enjoyable, and then I've enjoyed it quite a lot less in the last few weeks. Um, I don't know. I felt like I felt what I really felt was at the start of the season that I was really enjoying it. You know, for the first time in in quite a while, I was very excited about going to home games, and uh, and I thought the performances were so encouraging, and they were kind of like. It sounds so basic, but they were the they were the sort of performances that you go to watch football to see, um, and it had been it felt to me like it had been quite a long time since I felt like that at QPR. So I, it started very positively. Um, obviously, the last few months have been a bit of oh, it's been a bit of a shambles, obviously, but um, I remain positive for the rest of the season. I always try and be positive, and I, and I and I feel like with a new manager um, who I quite like at, in the early days, I quite like him. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely willing to be positive and, and hope that we're going to have um, an enjoyable second half of the season. Is he the kind of manager that make you want to learn how to play guitar? Absolutely, absolutely. And I've heard he's brilliant as well at guitar. I've heard he can ah, see, all the classics, Sultans of Swing, no. all of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing is, Charlie and Paul, we went Saturday and I've got to be honest with you, the first half was a wee bit too much like Fleetwood, wasn't it? It was a bit kind of like, oh, shit. We're going to get absolutely hammered here, and um, yeah. What, did, what, did, Charlie? What, what's your thoughts on Saturday? Goes with the cliche, isn't it? It was, it was a game of two halves. I think first half, we had no intent. I think we got at some points in the first half, we got in some half decent areas, but we just never looked like scoring. I think the sides very was. I mean, especially in that first half, very low on confidence. Um, I think we will see with Willock. I think he's really struggling. 
chair, not quite up to speed yet. Dykes again, sorry. Just, there's attacking players just not really almost interlinking like they did at the start of the season when we had a lot of success in front of goal. Um, and I think that kind of has a, a repercussion on the rest of the side. And, you know, that first half was was very, very poor, like a real lack of intent. And I think then you come into the second half and Fixty's obviously given him a, a rocket out of the backside and we came out looking at a completely different side with a side that looked comfortable on the ball, seemed like they played football together before. And, and I think the second half display was was so different to the first half. But yeah, um, a, a, a good result in the end. Uh, Reading not in not in the worst vein of form coming into it. Um, yeah, a good result, but really good to see Jamal Lowe out there because I think um, he's going to add a lot to the side. Paul? I thought... I thought intense the word really, isn't it? Because I, I thought I didn't think Reading were too great, apart from you know an absolutely amazing strike by Jeff Hendricks, which sort of then knocked keep you off this strike. I think up to that point, we actually hadn't been. I, I was pleased with the reaction to the going out of Fleetwood. We seemed to be, we seemed to like be playing football, if not quite having that cutting edge up front. And I agree. I think there is a you know a confidence issue with with the attacking players. Um, and then obviously the second goal was sort of a real killer in just terms of like just get to half time and you know, just try and reorganise and work it out. I was pleased with the reaction because I really thought it was was potentially going to be the second half of, right, you know, they'll, it'll just, the game will either peter out or, you know, we'll be 3-0 down and it'll just get worse from there. Um, and I think I was really pleased that not only before Jamal Lowe came on did we, did we look like we were, we had that sort of intent to try and go and get something from the game. But obviously when he came on there, it's just the way he, he just, you know, the way he looked so confident on the ball. And I think that he, that seemed to grow to other players. I mean, Tyler Roberts, when he first signed him, I was so struck by his first touch. You know, as a, as a player, he had just a consistently amazing first touch. In the last couple of games, I felt he'd lost that. And almost when Jamal Lowe came on, it sort of seemed to kind of become infectious. And he was back to having that amazing first touch. And, it, you know, it's not surprising. I mean, I mean, I didn't really appreciate it at the time when I seen the replay, but that that amazing sort of second touch he had then to go on and score the, score the first goal. And then obviously... The, the equaliser. I mean, it's disappointing in a way to draw a game like that because I think we started it well. We've obviously played well in the second half and although a point was probably the fair result, I, I came away from it going, oh, actually, you know, a bit, a bit tighter defensively for the second Reading goal. We could have actually nicked something. I don't think we're as bad as that Fleetwood result and some of the reaction to that and obviously we probably weren't as good as, you know, some of the hype in the in the games just before we went on the stump with the last manager. So I think, you know, we keep it about where I expect them to be this this season. And that that sort of reading game feels to me like kind of the marker of the kind of season we're gonna have, which is probably the same as last season. So should we, should we call the last manager he shall not be allowed to be mentioned by name? Well, I just don't want to overly mention him so we go down that route again because I just you know I think that that's done and dusted, isn't it? Well, the thing is see I Jack I know you've seen it on um, uh, when you were in Switzerland on telly um, on Saturday. Um, yeah. was um, it looked to me like Senny was a wee bit at fault for the Henrik Daisy cutter. I mean, how did you see it? No, I, well, I, I thought the the first Henrik goal um, was just a great strike. I, I didn't at the time okay. I didn't put any blame really on Senny. I thought he fumbled the second one um, quite badly. I, I'm putting more at fault for that one. Um, but I don't know. I was It was a strange game because even in the first half, although we weren't creating enough, I didn't find it um, like a depressing watch. I thought there was enough there that kept me interested. I, I did think that we would come back and, and deliver something in the second half. And I agree with Paul, um, with Stokesy. I, I think that if um, if we'd had another five minutes, we probably would have won the game. And it did, it did feel a bit disappointing to, to leave uh, with only a point. Um, which when you think about where we were 45 minutes before is, is amazing because at half time I was thinking about coming on the podcast and thinking, oh, at least I dodged the Fleetwood game. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is going to be even worse if this, if this continues. But we really pulled ourselves together and yeah, don't, you don't want to put too much pressure um, on one loan signing, but yes, he came on and made a huge difference. Um, you know, the, the pressure will be on him to be starting the next game um, and see how he looks for a full 90 minutes. So, I mean, I, I imagine he'll, he'll start the next game if he's, if he's fit and up to, up to speed. Um, Cause he does look like obviously a bit of a cut above um, certainly where Willick's at at the moment. Yeah, Charlie, the um, Willick situation is a bit of a worry. Are we going to be brave enough to um, bench him and bring Lowe in, which I'm kind of, 
in that argumentative stage of my mind where I'm kind of thinking, is it the right thing to do? But I, I, I kind of think it is. Yeah, it's difficult because um, almost the reputation he's got at the club and we, we all know what he's capable of. And he's a sort of player where he can come into a game and, and flip it all in his head and go past a couple of players and put it into the back of the net. I think West London Sport put an article this week where Critchley was talking about Chris Willock and he was saying that um, he's really affected by it. He's quite a deep thinker and he's kind of overthinking this spell he's in at the moment. Um, but it is affecting him and he's really trying and... I mean, I can't remember these exact quotes, but I think it was it was that was the kind of uh, the takeaways from that. But mm. it's it's difficult. It's difficult. You've probably got a man in low that's really hungry. Um, he's confident. We saw almost his composure, which seemed a little infectious across the players in the second half of of the Reading game. The only one thing I was a bit pissed off about that, that when he came into the interview and said that he's been fit and available for every game in the last six years, which I thought was. A ludicrous thing to say, given that he's probably going to jinx it and, and, and pull up with something in training this week and be unavailable for the rest of the season. But yeah, he's an exciting signing. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. I think Willock almost needs to be nursing a little bit. I think we've throughout this season, we've rushed him too quickly. Um, he's been thrown in the deep end a couple of times and his fitness has not been there. That match sharpness and almost that pressure that he brings on the side in terms of what we expect from him because we know what he's capable of. So I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing in low and dropping Willock because um, we need some healthy competition. I think for Willock, maybe even just understanding that, you know, no matter what performance he's putting at the moment, he's not going to start every game. So I don't see any problem with a little bit of rotation, some some uh, some fresh ideas and, um, and yeah, bringing, bringing, bringing low in to see what he's capable of. Stokesy, can you play them both or are we being harsh? I think you possibly could. I mean, obviously someone's got to do jobs if you're going to do that. Um, well, I could, I could see a situation where both could play. I mean, uh, I mean, I think Lowe would rather play more more as a wing on the wing side, but can do that job across the front three. I think as well the five subs thing, which just changes it all from like say a, a season and a half ago. Then dropping Willock might be like, oh my god, how have you done this? Whereas actually, he will probably, you know, you could be dropped and still get significant game time because you can make those changes depending on the match situation. And I think with the Willock, Willock if, if there is an element to his confidence that comes from the injury he got at the first uh, Sheffield United game away, I mean, he looked pretty cut up with that injury when he went off and obviously has come back, you know, big injury, injury, big surgery in the summer, came back, got injured in that game. If there is an element of perhaps confidence about his body as much as his ability which is which is kind of holding back his form at the moment then maybe having that pressure taken off him will actually help him the fact he knows he doesn't have to play 90 minutes and play 90 minutes at full speed will mean he can maybe push himself a bit harder for the phase of the game that he is involved in so I think it could be a positive and I, I think you know one, one of the great things about the front players we do have is Bar Dykes who's obviously an out and out striker you do have creative attacking players you can play in several positions and so you can you can shuffle that 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 attack several different ways if you want what do you think jack i think that bringing low in and taking willock out of the firing line on saturday might be a win-win really because you know i'm i'm a bit loath to say that anyone should be pandering to to a fan base but i do think that if um if low starts it's probably what 90 percent of the of the ground wants to see anyway. They want to see low and they want to see him from the start, I would think, um, after the impact he had. You, you're not going to drop Roberts after the weekend. And I think Chair's in better form than Willock. So you take Willock out of the firing line, like Stokesy says, and, you know, maybe only for an hour. You know, maybe he comes on after an hour and then he either comes on, we're winning the game, he comes on, everyone's delighted to see him. He comes on when we need a goal and people are excited that he might be able to bring something you know, I think I for me it's a bit of a win-win if if uh, if he was given a short spell on the bench and given the chance to impact a game uh, without that pressure. And yeah, you know, like Stokes, he also said maybe it is a bit he's nursing he's nursing himself a little bit after all the injuries. So I think see I think it'd be quite interesting to see Roberts in full flow, Willick in full flow, and Lowe. That's a hell of a line. That's a yeah. you know. And then you've got Dykes who's suffering with confidence, but he's got the M3 coming behind him and we're cheering at the... We could almost just go full Brazilian, couldn't we? And just <laughs> try and blitz teams and don't worry about the defence. Go back to Ticanio Dares where you just try and score more than they did. By the way, Paul, this is the first time I've ever seen anyone fiddle with milk when I've been doing a podcast. I'd like to thank you for that moment. 
It's quite an enormous carton as well, actually. Um, looked looked like it was semi-skinned. It's still going on. There's more to come, don't worry. All right. Are you, are you making a green lid? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm feeding, a, a, well, I'm giving a drink to a small boy. So that's what I'm doing. I'm multitasking. I like it. I, like to well, I thought I'd do it really subtly and put myself on mute so you wouldn't have to mention it, Paul. But you've pulled the uh, the curtain away, revealing the workings of the Wizard of Oz. Well, do you know what? I'm that kind of person because I've got a very small brain and it gets distracted very easily and you just distracted it. Now, Going back to Saturday, one thing I did like, and I and um, I like the midfield. I like what Fields doing. I like what Jimmy done with in the centre half. The second half team compared to the first team, it was it was. You can kind of see what we've got working going forward, can't you, Charlie? You can see where Critchley's trying to gel it, move it, and take it forward with. And then if we do sign Barnes, where do we fit him in? I think first he's going to play midfield. I think. Tim had a very poor game on Saturday. I feel like he made, without without holding my words back, I feel like he made no real influence. Um, seemed a bit lost in the centre of the park. He never really seems to do too well in a double pivot. Um, so he struggled on Saturday. I think his form of late hasn't been what we've come accustomed to throughout the course of the season. But hopefully that's just a little blip and, and given his experience, inexperience, you kind of got to take that with a pinch of salt. But yeah, when, when Tim's firing, I think, that almost changes our side in itself because he can get you 20, 30 yards up the pitch of how he just glides past players. Um, but yeah, Sam Field's been phenomenal. I think he's been probably our, our player of the season, in my opinion. Um, I can't actually remember your original question now. He talks about midfield. What was what was the last one? I had to get the two. Well, kind of me being me, I kind of went to midfield to Jimmy Dunn to midfield again. And then yeah, said, you always have to get Jimmy Dunn Barnes. in there, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, if Barnes. He... That's it. I knew there was something else. Um, I can't see Barnes happening, if I'm honest. Um, oh, really? No, I, d- I just can't see it. I think I he's probably on... I can't see his wages being too cheap um, and even taking a cut price of us paying a share of it. It's just one of those I just can't see. I would take I would take him, um, given if financials were irrelevant. Um, I think it's an area where, despite Jamal Lowe coming in and being a forward, he's not really an out-and-out number nine. Um, I mean, you could argue Barnes is more of a number 10, but... Um, yeah, Jamal Lowe can play across the three. I think Dykes does need more direct competition and almost just a little bit of weight off his shoulders to keep the fans off his back a little bit at the time would probably be helpful. But I think really, I think we're better off strengthening with a, I know we're, we're, you know, we're really struggling in, in four positions, that composition of Dykes I mentioned, but I feel like in fullback, we need cover for Kenneth Powell. Um, and even, I mean, not to be saying that, Kakai's done quite well, but yeah, I think having Nico at left back um, as our option, if if Kenneth Powell does come up, you know, trumps this, this season and, and and manages to pick something up, I think that's much lower of a drop off in terms of playing Willock as a false nine or putting Jamal, Jamal Lowe as a number nine or Roberts as a striker. For me, that's the biggest almost deficit in terms of quality throughout the side. So, I mean, look, I'd still take I still take Barnes, but I feel like the left back position is more of a concern for me. Uh, still see the only Brazilians. Um. Maybe some musicians, I think. Not, 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 not any that will come in and and, and play as a number nine. I do well, think we do musicians, need. A... They, they, they kind of get funny if you think they might be sort of like I don't know, gigging as guitarists. A very strange bunch. Carry on. Yeah, so I've heard. <laughs> I do think we need a striker. If you want to win football matches, I just think. Yeah. That position's been too light for probably, you know, two seasons now. You know, as as good as players are, as the potential that, that some of the members of the squad have. We don't, have, you know, we don't have enough strikers for a team in the top half of of the of the championship. I don't feel, and so I would. But they are really expensive, and the trap, the, the window is probably not the time to buy one. So I mean, if there was a deal to be done for Ashley uh, for Barnes, and you could go, yeah, we're not paying his wages. It's just to keep him happy with Bar- uh, Barnsley and all that, then uh, Burnley and all that. Then yeah, I would, I would definitely think he'd be, be a good addition. But I think that's something if we don't do it in, in January, we do need. Whatever we do with um, the current strikers, we do need another number nine at some point. I just don't think there's enough, as I say, to win matches in the championship in the squad at the moment. Good point. Charlie raises a little bit the left back loan, to be fair. I mean, as we said at Fleetwood, we, you know, take him out, take Powell out the side. We, we, we're struggling a wee bit, you know, and that worries me greatly. Considering how many games are on this league and we're halfway through it. Yeah, I mean, I think long term, that's definitely a very valid point. It, it, you know, the, the, I think the, the backup for all the defence is probably not quite where you'd want it to be. 
Um, I guess there is juggling to be done with midfielders out of position and things like that if you did end up with an, an injury crisis. Although, obviously, nothing as bad as last season when we literally had no fullbacks of any kind of fit <laughs> for, for large periods. Well, you do play three centre-halves. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Charlie, actually, in regards to thinking that the left-back is, is really the spot that needs immediate solving. Because I just think that... Um, Amongst those sort of four or five attacking first, you know, first names on the team sheet now, really, there's there's goals there, even if it's not Dykes. And I don't think anyone who supports QPR and has done since Dykes has been there thinks that Dykes is going to be the person who, who gets 20 goals a season. I think everyone's kind of cool with that now. I think we've realised that's not going to happen. That's not probably not going to be Dykes. But what he does offer when he's good is something that the other ones who play behind him can't really offer. And that's... Um, and that's, you know, almost maybe more important when you've got such a talented line of um, sort of number 10s and, and attacking wingers. I think almost bringing them into the game should, should be our first, our first plan, really, bringing those players into the game. Yes, it would be amazing to, to provide more uh, excellent crosses for Dykes to get his head on. He doesn't get enough service. And when he does, he doesn't often score or he doesn't score enough. But um, for me, the all the exciting things that happen for QPR on the pitch are happening behind, directly behind him. Ah, and as if by magic, once the audio sorts itself out, and I'm waiting for it to fill a gap here. Jack, by the way, Jack, that's very well said. Filling the gap time-wise as well. Um, we should be joined, <laughs> joined by a set slowly, really slowly, drag it out, Paul. Are we all, by the way, we all still keep a will. Would you like to go and make some more tea, um, Paul? <laughs> that, was, that was just pure hot milk, so no tea. Okay. Um, yes, Hello. at last. Hello. Um, you, you're walking around the street and then, lo and behold, pops in Sam Field. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We're okay. By the way, just to let you know, um, Charlie Wise from Talking Rangers, Paul Stokes from a magazine called Q Magazine, which is a mag- music magazine, works on Radio 6, and Jack Lawrence Brown, who's a member of White Lies, the band. Okay. All, Q- all QPR. And I'm just, I drive a van in London. I'm not very famous. At, uh, at, 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 well, yeah, I'm not. You're the, most famous, you're the most famous of everyone, Philly. Oh, stop it, Jack. Stop everyone it. Knows everyone knows me because they flip and hit me. That's why. Anyway, Sam, we'll be talking about Saturday and we talk about the first half, second half and everything else. How did you see it from a player's point of view? Because it was some transition, big man. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, good, bad, and ugly all in one, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah. First half, we just I wouldn't, you know, from we went in the dressing room. We we knew it wasn't horrendous, but it wasn't good. Uh, mm. That's probably the way we put it. The goals weren't good at all, um, and we just know at the form we've been at the minute that wasn't. After Chef U, that was you know that was nothing like us. We'd given that a right go, and that we were just soft again. Um, so half time, it was just very clear that we've got ourselves in this mess. We've got to get ourselves out of it now. Um, and the second half was it was like chalk and cheese, to be honest. And to be honest, we've actually come off the pitch a bit miffed that we haven't probably won it, to be honest. Um, but if you're giving yourself a two nil, you know, deficit, it's not going to be easy to come back and win all the games. So. Yeah, it was probably mixed in the end. I think it was probably better that we came back from a 2-0 deficit rather than us being 2-0 up because everyone was going to have classic QPR again. So, um, yeah, the second half was definitely very, very good. But um, it doesn't mean anything if the first half was uh, was as bad as it was. Did you did you feel the frustration from the fans after Fleetwood? And... Yeah, I, and rightly so. <clears throat> I completely understand that. That's, you know we're representing the club and, you know, people, have, thousands of people have travelled to Fleetwood to, to watch that. And yeah, I, I can't, I can't blame the fans at all because I wasn't happy playing with it. So I can't imagine watching it um, and spending that money watching it. So yeah, we knew that after that, after what's just happened recently with the club and what's been happening in the last few results that look, Reading first half wasn't good as well. And, I think it's fair to say I'm a, I've been a fan myself. All you want to see is a bit of passion for the club, and um, rightly so. You can voice your opinions. Anyone can voice your opinions on that. And actually, to be honest, it's probably exactly what we needed because it kicked us right up the backside. And then 
I think it's clear to see when we play like the second half, it, it's easy to get behind and and actually it's it's not a lot to ask from us. It's just to give it a go, to be honest. And but we need to make sure we do that more often. Charlie, the floor is yours. Um, Sam, I just wanted to ask around coming back to, to the Reading game. What do you think it was that kind of clicked in that second half that kind of got us to, to really go through the gears? And then just coming on to that, what's kind of been the the mood in camp this week as a result of it? Do you think it can kind of be a platform that we can build onto now? Yeah, so I'll say what clicked. It, it just, it, I, I think a little bit of, uh, we've got nothing to lose here, so you've got to go for it. So we had to be very aggressive with it. And then when we started to see that we started to pin them back a bit and they were stuck in their own half and, and they couldn't get out. And I think when we started to see that and we made one or two chances, like, oh, hang on, we're definitely still in this. And then I think, you know, Jamal made a low, made a massive difference coming on and helping. And it just, from there, we had a feat. Look, the championships is silly old league. You, you can be tuned up and you, you're never out of it. We're in the Prem. That's game, set and match. So um, we knew we weren't out of it. We got the next goal. And as soon as we got that next goal, we knew we were dead in it. But I think it was just more of a positivity to to go for it. And we've got to make sure we're like that when we're nil-nil, not when we're two-nil down. Um but yeah, Jamal made a massive difference when he came on. And then, yeah, the mood's been a lot better. Like I said, if we'd if we'd been 2-0 up and drew 2-2, the mood probably be a lot flatter. And I know it's the same result, same points. But I think it just showed a lot more character, which has probably been a big question of ours recently. So, yeah, look, we know there's a couple of games. I mean, any game in the championships, winnable, losable, it doesn't matter. But there's fixtures now that we've really got to make sure we fancy ourselves and think we're really starting to understand what this new manager wants and everything and his staff and he's working us out. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been good so far. So hopefully we can just start, you know, if we can get a win at home, I think that would be massive, to be honest. Stokesy. Hi, Sam. Um, this, can I ask you about this season? Because obviously there was a big gap in the middle of it where I presume like the rest of us, you were sat watching the World Cup at 10 o'clock in the morning going, this is great, four games a day. Uh, yeah, but as a player, that must be really strange when you sort of, you know, you, you've got going, you're, you know, you're, you're, you've got into the groove of games all the time. And then on the top of that, obviously at Queen's Park Rangers, we've had the strange situation where a manager's gone because they were good. You know, normally when managers go, you probably know they're going to go because the results mm-hmm. haven't been great. And you go, oh God, you know, something's got to give. How has this season... How has that affected you, you both as individuals, as a player, but as a group in terms of getting going and getting into games like Reading and 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 this, and this second half of the season? Um, that's a very good question because I don't I don't know what to say really because we've never had it before. So you kind of just learning on the job with it. It's to have that four week break was and because the the season was so manic up to that point, for it just to stop was very very strange to be honest. And um, I mean, we've been going Saturday to Saturday and a few of the lads, you know, you can feel it like no midweek game. It's almost like, oh, there's loads of time to the next one. So I think it's just, it's a bit of a strange one. I think everyone's in the same boat, to be honest. It was working hard in those four weeks off. I know we had a little bit of time off, but it it wasn't really too much of a break, to be honest, because the, the eye was always, this is this is only half the job done of the season. Um, so it, it's, it's been a real strange one. And then, you know, the, since coming back and for Reading and all that, yeah, like you said, with, with Nick Bill going, that was a strange one for everyone at the club um, and probably not what anyone needed, but it happened and it's it's part of football, it'll happen again. Um, so, yeah, I think they we're probably just trying to shake that off a little bit still and I think the new manager's just trying to settle us down a bit and he's good and he'll if he can get that and get us going again, um, you know, it's a good group. It's only just telling us what to do is different, so... In my eyes, it should be similar results, but sometimes it's not as easy as that. So I think, you know, any manager changing the season, when in any of the job to change in manager in the season, like that's pretty difficult. So I think it'll probably just need a little bit of time. But um, look, everyone's positive and hopefully it can um, it can all go in the right direction. Jack, you can come in now. Sam, um... I was going to ask, actually, maybe this is maybe this is something you won't want to answer, but whether there was any. Oh, I don't say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite Big Beal or Critchley. Carry on. No, carry on. No, I was going to. I was just going to ask whether the the departure of of Mick Beal came as a genuine shock to everyone who was involved, you know, on the training pitch every day, and also 
since um, Critchley's come in. Um, what's changed? Like, what, what changes for you as a player on the training pitch between managers? What, what's the different things? Are you focusing more on fitness or focusing more on this or that? Like, what I just, I'm interested to know, like, the details actually, really, of what, what changes between managers. Uh, so it, it was probably the worst kept secret in football that he was going. You know, everyone saw the rumours and everything. So, I mean, it was still a surprise, but I think yeah. people had a bit of an idea. And fans too, I think everyone had a bit of an idea that this this was going to happen. So, um, yeah, th- there's no surprises really in football. Um, you just kind of have to get on with it. And look, once he'd been linked with Wolves, we always knew another club was going to come at some point. So right. it, it was inevitable, really. So, yeah, that was that. And then how is he different, uh, the new manager, to the old one? He's got his own views. He's probably um, more... They're both... <laughs> it's difficult to say because they're both... They're not too... They're not massively different. You know, they've both been at Liverpool and you can both see certain styles. And I think this new one, he realises you can't change massively straight away as well. So, because that would be probably too much. I know not the sharp, sharpest uh, tools in the box footballers, but to change it too much would probably be a bit too difficult at this stage of the season. So it's just little subtle things with the shape and um, more more just the attitude he wants as well. Yeah. I think he want, really wants us to be a team ethos, um, really work together, work as a team, defend as a team, attack as a team. And it's not to say the previous manager did anything wrong. It's just different ideas on it. So, yeah, he's probably a little bit more fitness-based, but... Look, it's difficult to say. It's only been probably a month or two. And I know in, in previous situations, it's quite hard for a manager to come in and completely revamp the whole club. Yeah. That's fair enough. I mean, it's, it's I mean, I know you say it was the worst kept um, secret in football and, you, and you're quite right, it was. I mean, once, and that was a weird thing. The World Cup came and we all knew he was going to go. We all knew that once um, he got the chance of playing Falkirk, it was obviously a big pull for him. Um <laughs> Any readers far listen to this? I'm, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm being honest. Um, it's quite good being from Northern Ireland and not like Rangers or Celtic. I, I, I do get to take the piss out of both of them. But it, it's, it was a strange move because I would have thought Wolves would have, would have better move personally, Premier League, blah, blah. And he went to Rangers, obviously, had a few ties there. And then you get the new man in and you're kind of like, he's, he can't do anything till January. So do you, did you get the feeling he was kind of sussing you all out a wee bit as well after going through impressing Bill? Now you've got to impress somebody else. And that must be strange. Yeah, definitely. That's just part of it. And look, you'll, I think every player will say there's probably 50-50. Some managers will love you. Some, you're just not their cup of tea. And it's nothing, sometimes it can be personal, but 99 times out of 100, it's just, it's just their opinion and what they think. And it's just how they see the game and, yeah, you just have to get used to it and quickly, as soon as he's gone, it, you just move on very quickly and go, right, how do I impress, the, impress the, the new manager? And yeah, it's strange, but you very quickly have to do it. And look, the managers had, would have spoke to the previous one as well, you know, they know each other well. And um, he's had time over the past couple of weeks to watch as he's seen us earlier in the season. He played, you know, we've played against him in Blackpool and a lot of lads were still here. So he, he was aware of us and he, you know, he knew what he was signing up for. But I think seeing it firsthand, he's probably got his own ideas. And But we might see it the rest. Of, I don't you know. I have no idea what will happen the rest of the window. But I'm sure he'll want to put his own stamp on things and and make it his own, to be honest. Well, I did hear rumour, Sam, that he won 30 goals a season from you, which I think is, is, is a bit late. You know, I think you can do better than that. Yeah, well, he's obviously uh, been watching the long clips than us because uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You know, just if if your man could hit a thirty-yard daisy cutter like that on Saturday, you know. Yeah, true, crazy. true. I need to shoot a lot more often, probably from my own half. Then at least, right? But um, yeah, <laughs> one of them. Did he get any ribbon from any of the QPR players for doing that? Um, no, not so much. It was. It was just my oh, oh crap, right? We've got to get back into the game now. He scored. Um yeah, there wasn't enough time to say what was that doing, what you're doing. But um yeah, I'm in a way I'm glad we scored the two after. I think it would have stunned more for everyone if he he'd scored the two um in reply if we'd gone two 0 Imagine the WhatsApp message, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just sorry to come back to me. I just got one more question around the scenario the manager would change. I just there's a lot of I think 
but I mean, you mentioned around the tactics and kind of the the operations in terms of the transition and in terms of different styles and um, potentially what they're looking to almost implement across the side. What I think a lot of people have, have been quite interested in terms of the difference in character. I think they're, they're almost worlds apart from what we see on the outside. I think you've got Bill, who obviously gave us quite a lot of crap, especially the fans. Um, a lot of bravado. Get off charisma. that fence. No, uh, <laughs> no, not tonight. <laughs> um, and I think it's almost a massive juxtaposition. So you've got Critchley, who almost seems um, a more calculated man in terms of almost more of a deep thinker, um, more honest, potentially. I mean, we thought Bill was honest, but we quickly found out he wasn't so honest. But what really, in terms of character and the way that sort of imposes themselves on the side... How has that difference been, and what what can you really tell us about the character um, of Critchley when he's come into the club? Um, so yeah, they are they are different to each other. Um, it doesn't take a genius to to see that. You can see it from interviews, and mm-hmm. and we can see that just the way he carries him, himself around the place. Now, mixed way works as well. There's no right or wrong way. It's just what the group needs. And um, yeah, Neil's probably you know he's he's methodical he thinks about it a lot and it's not a screamer or shout he'll just tell you what he thinks and look that's probably the way the game's going now the old Sir Alex Ferguson hair you know chucking stuff in the, in the uh, dressing rooms kind of dying out now and it's it's a new breed now and he's this approach I think is very good as well it's um it's just clear it's honest he wants to support you wants to work with you the players first that's how he operates and look if if you buy into him, he'll buy into you no matter what. And um, I think that's what you can ask for as a player. And he's honest with you. And yeah, there's, there's differences, but you know, some people will like that. Some people won't. Um, there's always pros and cons to different managers. And, you know, at the end of the day, you, you kind of just have to see how you can work best with, with any of them, to be honest, because um, that's what you can do, to be honest. They pick the team. So, um, yeah. Paul? Uh- Looking at your season uh, so far, Sam, I mean, you've obviously you've had a great run of games. You know you've, you've, that must be really satisfying. Are you doing anything differently, fitness-wise, that, that's sort of given you that sort of um, uninterrupted uh, run in the team? And um, and in just in terms of being able to play sort of game, all the games that, that, as they come, how much is that sort of improving your own your own play and your own sort of football understanding of matches and that kind of thing, just being able to get that sort of um, consistency going. Cause it does seem to me just watching you, you know, this is probably, a, you know, a peak season for you thus far, which is a great, great to watch. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's uh, from the fitness point, it's just doing, you know, taking pre-season properly, doing it all. You know, when I got, when I was fit at the end of last season, I managed to play a lot of games and I just wanted to, to build off that, to be honest. And, which would I've been pretty lucky with injuries and stuff. You know, I still fly into every tackle, but sometimes a lot of the issue would be contact injuries or probably my first touch or whatever. I'd injure myself or something, knowing me. Um, so, yeah, when you can just find that consistency in your game and you're playing week in, week out, and it, it's nice and you look at the clock in a different way, you don't look at it 10 minutes in going, oh my God, I need a rest here, um, which I still do sometimes, but I look at it more right. We've got plenty of time to win this. How do I get in the game? How do I do this? And, yeah, as you know, like I just I know what my my role is in the team and whatever the manager says that I do on on one of them to be honest. And look, if he wants me on the pitch that long, I've got I've got absolutely no problems with it, and I'm enjoying every second of it. And yeah, it's probably it's been really good for me. Just and like you said, when you're playing week in week out, the experiences you you have, you can be three 0 up, and then like Middlesbrough early in the season we're three 0 up, and then it's three two, and it's. It's nervy, or it can be ready, and really tune down, and back to two-two. So, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and long may it continue that I just stay fit, but um, not doing anything particular, just just doing the things daily that hopefully make the difference. But I've probably jinxed that now. I'll probably injure myself. Yeah. <laughs> and how gutted are the West Brom fans that they let you go? Because I know you've got. <laughs> Um, I honestly I don't know. Um, I, don't do, I don't do social media, so let's just say they're all gutted. That's probably the best way to work it. Out. <laughs> was that was that your club, Sam? By the way, yeah. So I was I was at West Brom. Uh, I was always a fan. Uh, Dad was a fan. Granddad, you know, all family was 
big uh, West Brom fans. And and then I joined the club when I was seven, so I was there from seven till twenty three. So yeah, wow. West Brom probably a massive part of my life to be honest. So um, no, I haven't really got any bad words to say about the club to be honest. But um, yeah, if the fans miss me, then. I guess that's that's not too bad, but I'm, I'm not sure all they'd say that. They'd probably say who, so yeah, it's, it doesn't <laughs> nah, bother me. Nah. They can always see you twice a season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've never played back at the Hawthorne, so that that will be a, a very strange one. And obviously, they got a oh, crunchy, of course. So ah. yeah, well, that that'll be a good one. Um, as I say, the thirty goals a season thing could start there, couldn't it? For you know, count it on the next season, Sam. You know, yeah, what a great way to real... let them remember you by buying one in from thirty-five yards. Yeah, yeah, Jack. Be yeah. I thought it was uh, interesting what you're saying about how managers these days don't really do the hair dryer treatment anymore, and it's not really the done thing. Um, you know, even in a game like the Reading game where you're two 0 down at half time, and, and obviously something has to change quite drastically. Um, but I was wondering a little bit about uh, in the dressing room in those sort of games, you know, who who is the vocal person? Because we've probably all been going to QPR for long enough to have seen some very noisy people on the pitch, some really um, shouty men, you know, Clint Hill, Sean Derry, people like that, who you can see them being aggressive and vocal in a way that's maybe a bit passe now. But I am still interested because when you go in at half time in a game like that, surely there'll be someone who's who's the loudest. And I'm I'm always wondering with QPR at the moment who the person is who does raise their voice. Um, so there's, there's different ways to to get your point across now. And but you don't always have to scream and shout in the dressing yeah. room. And to be fair, there's not there's not one voice. Quite a few people will will, will stand up and say something. And sometimes players they act they know themselves as well. Yeah. Honestly we knew at half time that wasn't good enough and the manager didn't have to say much. We knew, so um, yeah, it's probably different to like those players you said. But people do speak. It's not just one voice in particular. People do use their voice and just and not call each other out, but just try and raise the standards. And yeah, like I said, it's it's probably changed a lot from years gone by. Um, yeah, and there's different ways to do it. There's different ways that you know you can be brave on the pitch as well, trying to take someone on the score. It's even in the time I've been in football, the game's changed a lot and you can be brave like that. So, um, look, you don't... I I would enjoy... Well, not that I enjoy it, but I get screaming and shouting, but it's not always the right way um, because we just said it to each other. We've got nothing to lose. We've Well, we've messed it up, so we've got to sort it out. We've got nothing to lose, so we've got to do everything to sort it out. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean... I- I don't think I meant so much necessarily in an aggressive sense. I mean more just like who's the one or who are the players you think in, in the squad who who are the who are the ones who are really vocal and and um, even, you know, in encouraging encouraging ways and just to change the mindset. I think you know there's quite a few to be honest. If you want me to say a few names, Jimmy Dunn, Hill Speak, Lyndon Dykes, yeah, Rob Dickey, Jake Hart Salter. There's there are quite a lot that yeah. will speak. And that's not to say other people don't speak. Yeah, they're probably just more of the faces people look towards a little bit more. Stefan obviously speaks as well when he's in yeah, the squad. Yeah. Um, it's it depends. It depends on the game. It depends what's happened. Um, yeah, it's it really. It can be anyone to be honest. I think everyone's comfortable enough to say something. So there's never an issue when someone does say something. Someone might not agree with it. But yeah, there's never an issue when someone says something because you know they care. I can, I can just imagine Jimmy Dunn doing like a Father Jack impersonation. You know? I'm not too aware of Father Jack, but um... <laughs> there's a lot of feck, 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 and uh... feck off. <laughs> uh, no, no, he does He's when he shouts. He's always when he's loud. He's not. He's not. His Irish accent isn't too strong, to be honest. Um, yeah, he he just look. Jimmy's very passionate as well, so you, you know he cares. And when he says it, it's just because he cares so much. But. Um, yeah, I'll have to take notice if he does that. Look it up on YouTube. We've had now before we let you go, uh, Sam, and I really, really appreciate your time in the podcast because I know like you've got family time, so I do appreciate it. Um, yeah. we've had we've had Jimmy on the pod a few times, and um, have you got any dirt on him? Yeah, <laughs> on Jimmy, uh, <laughs> uh, that was my subtle way of asking. Like, I hope it worked. Uh, 
No, I don't. Honestly, I'm not like that. No, it would be no. good if I did, but um, no, I'm sure. I'm sure there is someone out there who's happy to spill the beans. Because yeah. <laughs> he always seems really positive. I mean, remember last year he came in the podcast. And we were going like, do you know what? Do you reckon make the playoffs? He's going fake the playoffs. Let's win the league. He, he always seems to be that sort of person. Yeah, well, we proved him wrong, didn't we? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, Jimmy's a great guy, and yeah, he's always got a positive spin on things. But um, yeah, no, I ain't got any any, uh, any gossip on him. Sorry, I'm not like that. I'm probably the worst one to ask for stuff like that. To be honest, but did it, so when you get the transfer to Barca. We'll call you back and then you can spill the beans on everyone and do it that way. Oh, happily, happily, honestly. <laughs> well, listen, fella. Um, can I just oh, ask before you, before Sam goes? So I always ask whenever I'm on and there's a current player, I always ask about the music in the dressing room. And as Jack's on tonight, I think that makes that question even more legitimate. So, apart from the White Lies back catalogue, what do you listen to in the dressing room? Who is the person playing the music? What, what are the tunes this season? Um, it's like a, it's a mix, to be honest. And you, God, you're asking the wrong. If any of these heard this, the latter ends, because I actually don't know who they're listening to. I don't know. Um, sometimes Rob Dickey takes control, and I know a lot more of those songs then. A little bit more of each, Ed Sheeran. But generally, it's oh, just dear. a mix. And I, honest to God, I couldn't tell you who's on. I've no idea. But um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I generally, I'm not even going to hazard a guess because it'll be horrendous. Um, well, we'll have to send you some white lies on Spotify, Sam, and you can play the dressing room. And um, when when we go away, you, you can you can see Jack and our block and give them the thumbs up for um, inspiring us to a wonderful victory over yeah. Swansea. Oh, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, listen, mate, go and enjoy your family time, and thank you so so much for joining us tonight. We no really worries. appreciate it. You're no a good worries. man, and good luck Saturday, big man, in the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers Sam. Sam. Bye. Bye now. Bye. 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 Yeah, what a nice fella. He's another one, isn't he, that, that kind of bucks the trend of everyone thinking footballers are all daft and they're all like this, and he's quite a thoughtful person. Although I thought he might spill something about Jimmy. There must be something he could have told us, but hey, we'll just have to make, we'll just have to make stuff up. What did you think, Jack? Came across well, didn't he? He comes across very well, but he's... Um... He's yeah, he's like a, he's almost a little bit of a politician. Like he he knows, I think he knows the line very well, and he knows not to cross it. So I did I did try and poke him a little bit with the Beal thing, um, but he's got good answers for everything. I think he's like, you know, he's a bit of a bit of an undercover star of this QPR team. I would say because mm. never anyone, he's never one of the players who's getting mentioned in transfer talk, but in a lot of ways, actually, maybe he's one of our most important players. Um, I agree. I'd say maybe not, you know, maybe a transfer is not, is not, not the time for him now anyway, because he's definitely still developing and, get, and getting a lot better as, as, the, uh, as the season goes on. But um, yeah, he's a great player to have in your side. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders and um, yeah, he does uh, quite a lot of the dirty stuff like with no fuss and um, obviously a really nice guy as well. I think he's a great player, Paul. I mean, he's kind of like, he's almost like those players that no one notices but does all the work, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, Charlie called it before he, he came on. He probably is form-wise and consistency-wise the player of the season. I mean, to have at the Championship someone who can tackle and then pass to one of their own players is quite a rare thing <laughs> at that level. Because normally they can either tackle or they can pass to one of their own players. I think that's just QPR, to be honest. Well, I, yeah, maybe. But I mean, I have, you, you do get a sense that it does, it does seem to be this. To be, and to have a player like him who, who is not only a tough tackler, like you're saying himself, they, you know, fly, you know, go into tackles full-blooded, but also has that tactical awareness and that sense of the game. And I just think he's getting better and better because he's having that run of, of just being able to play. You know, he hasn't had the injuries that he had perhaps at West Brom and maybe a, a couple of niggles when he first came. He's, he's having that run from the second half of last season into this season. And long may that continue. He's a, he is a, he's a, he's a, a great asset for QPR. And I, 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 say, I, I often say during matches, I hope someone at West Brom got fired for letting him go to us because... I can't see why they wouldn't need a player like that. I mean, I guess they probably thought they were going straight back up, but I mean, he he would be an asset, I think, in most teams in the championship. I agree, even above Charlie. Yeah, I think coming back to Jack's point, I think he was spot on in terms of almost politician esque. Um, but I think that's almost you can kind of see his, his character. He doesn't seem he just seems a good egg. I think he doesn't seem a man that's going to kick a fuss when things don't go his way or throw a tantrum. I think he's he seems quite. He almost seems a bit as well, like a bit of a, a deeper thinker, a man that's quite cool, calm and composed. And 
almost a man that leads by example, almost a sort of like the vibe I get from him, not not somebody that scream and shout. And then he's kind of almost older than his age would suggest in terms of where his, his mindset is and, and the way he articulates himself. But yeah, I think going back to yeah, the, the point you made as well, Paul, I think he's he's had a phenomenal season. I think he's been such a, a good player to see him progress. I think he was probably left in the cold a little bit at West Brom, had to come here to try and earn his stripes a little bit, prove himself and show what the player he can he can kind of be and, and the levels he can perform at. I think he's, he's just done that. So almost so consistently, but also quite effortlessly at the same time in terms of how good I think he's been this season. I think, yeah, he's he's arguably one of the most underrated cham- uh, players in the Championship for me, I think. Um yeah, I, I wanted to get in and just ask him what, what do he, what was his, his best position that he thought? Because obviously we saw Beer. I kind of forgot as we went on about. Um, You've been the podcast to... five minutes earlier, John. You could have asked him. <laughs> I know, but I, I know we had to let him go. But um, I mean, we could have asked him all night. But um, yeah, because Beer tried to play him a little bit higher up. But I'm sure he did just said he'll happily play wherever wherever needed. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I think he, he's a great. He's one of the first names on the team sheet for me. He's quality. No. We're going to go on now to the R's end and then we're going to do predictions. This is how the podcast has developed, Jack, since you were on all eight years ago when it was basically just everyone drinking beer and getting drunk and seeing people with imaginary guitars. Um, <laughs> Charlie, what's your R's end of the show? You'll have to come back to me. Give me a minute. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> silence on the podcast is, is, is deadly. I mean, you know how the format works, Charlie. You know, it's not, it's not a shock, is it? I was too busy thinking about Sam Field questions when he left the pod. He loves to come back to me. Yep. And I am supposed to be the stupid one. Um, <laughs> Paul. Um, Remember our rules, Charlie. <laughs> um, I'm, I guess my R's end has to be uh, they don't play enough White Lies music in, before pre match. Oh, bless you. <laughs> bless you. He's always saying that, Jack. Every time he comes on, he's, yeah, he's time, on his 12th yeah. time of season. He's always saying, more white lies at Loftus Road, please. Yeah, but you know, like, any white lies would be more white lies at Loftus Road. It, <laughs> it's never never once been one song. And actually, I would um, I would sink into my seat and then dissolve into the ground if I heard white lies at Loftus Road. It would be far too much for me to bear. I'm, I would be mortified. Um so I, I hope that they don't play White Lies at Loftus Road. I don't think it's the right fit. Um, <laughs> certainly not the songs that they would pick. They'd pick the wrong songs. That would be the, the problem, I would say. They, well, they could actually link you to Mick Bill and his White Lies, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the big oh, yeah. chance. No one at social media at QPR did it. So that ship has sailed. Yeah, all the way to Falkirk. Yeah. Paul, is that your eyes end? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I, can't, I, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I, I, I generally don't have a rant for once. I mean, normally it will be like something has annoyed me, but I guess, I guess actually, a good, a good thing that happened is a friend of mine dropped their wallet. I, I remember this popped away. A friend of mine dropped their wallet at the looting game, and the staff found it and brought it over, and he got it back at the end of the game. All the money's still in there. So well done, the people that work in Stanbol Stand, Ellisie Road, and and the security. Thank you. How about uh, that? Most people, most people are honest. No, I don't think Nick it. I mean, actually finding the thing. I mean, I, we, we all thought that was it. It would just be like chucked away accidentally or kicked around. You know, the fact that they went they went to the effort after the, in the aftermath of the game, went and had a look, found it, brought it across. I mean, above and beyond, well done. No, I'm not finding they'd nick it. I'm just saying, great, it came back. <laughs> I, I wasn't saying you were. Such a cynical. I never realised you weren't, you weren't the happy-go-lucky ideas. I thought you were. Well, do you know what I did once? This is true. Right, we would do a job at a golf. We did these flowers at a golf club with the mitzvah to a golf club, and we found this bullet. We handed it in, and no one said, "Well, you you might want to hang around until the guy comes down and and says, you know, whatever." And thank you. And and, and he came down. He, he had nothing to do with the mitzvah, by the way. He was playing golf, and he comes down, and it was absolutely rammed. I mean, I haven't seen a wallet like that since when Red Nut was in the dugout, and um, it, it's a massive wallet. And he comes in, and she goes, "Oh." Your man there and your woman there, they, they, they found your wallet. And he went, cheers, and walked off. And I was like, oh, 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 oh I could have, I, oh, yes. So always be honest, kids, but sometimes people just don't appreciate it. Jack, have you got Noah's end? Yeah, I think I can muster something. I will, um, I'm going to give a, a, a sincere shout out to the Street family in, in our block who yes. are, um, 
people I've known for a long time. I'm best friends with Will, the son, but also Stephen. Um, if you've ever listened to a record by the Smiths or Morrissey when he wasn't problematic. And, uh, he's been on the podcast, Jack, several times. He's a great man, Stephen. Yeah, and he, he gave White Lies their first opportunity um, back when I was at school, when I was 15. He let me and my band use his recording studio for free. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, we recorded our first ever White Lies songs for free in Stephen Street studio. Uh, and then since then, I started a record label with his son, Will. The record label is called Chess Club. It still runs now. And Will still still runs Chess Club. So I would encourage anyone to go and have a listen to some of the output because he's, he's launched some great bands over the years. Um, and the whole family is a it's kind of a little music business dynasty going on there in the R block. Um, they did up, they did the first single for the band Jungle, who Tom from Jungle also sits in the R block very near me. So um, a big shout out to, to all of the streets for, um, for getting me into QPR and as well as getting me into the music business back in the day. I'd like to see a QPR record made, and I'm going to make this happen. I've, I've been mentioned it, I mentioned it the first time you were on the podcast, Jack, many, many moons ago, and it still hasn't happened, and I want it to happen. I know people who can do this, and we could make it happen, couldn't we, Paul? I don't know. We still haven't come up with a decent chant for Sam Field, so come on. You know, from a musical <laughs> point of view, we're lagging behind. Yeah we, 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 yeah, we haven't even got one for Jimmy Dunn, have we? I mean, you know, as Chad's go, yeah, there you go, Jack. Get your pen, get your paper, let's get... Isn't there a good yeah. Jimmy Dunn? Isn't there a good Jimmy Dunn chart? It's a bit like the the other Dunn, isn't it? It's just like the Richard, Richard Dunn. Dunn. Oh, they just recycled yeah. that, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So Ooh. it's kind of like, yeah, we're lacking with the old chants, actually. We haven't got one for I'd like to see someone put one together for Tim. That could be interesting. <laughs> it's like, hey, go on then, lads. <laughs> Off you go. Good luck. Ring me next Wednesday when you've done it. Um, so that, that is your by the way, Stephen is also a qualified referee as well, which really? he yeah, yeah. He um he he came on the, he is, he's been on the pod a few times. Let's get him back on actually. He, he actually did say he was with his coaches. I think his son's kids or kids team, not his son's kids, his kids team. He yeah. thought if you're going to criticise, learn it. So he, he became a referee. Oh, good on him. Very good. Or coach or so, no, it was coach. It wasn't referee. It was coach. He got his coaching badges. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he, I told you, Charlie. Remember our rules in this podcast. He was he's a qualified coach. That's it. He's very qualified at something, yeah. No, oh, no so you, you, you're right. He was brilliant with Morrissey before Morrissey went a bit AWOL in the Brewing Department. <laughs> yeah. Going back to Swansea. To, oof. I mean, they're a bit up and down, Charlie, aren't they? they? They kind of... They're all over the show, aren't they, Swansea? A bit of a mixed bag, yeah. Um, interesting game. Good to be back at home. I think, um, as Sam mentioned, we want to get that win at home. Um, we're so close against Sheffield United, and I think, and I think, it, as Sam kind of rightly mentioned, even though it was just a draw, the way we came back instead of if we were to to be two up and and lose the lose the lead, I think it'd have been different. And hopefully, that can just be that platform that we kind of mentioned earlier in the pod. But yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for Saturday, but I think it will be an interesting tie. By the way, the cat's trying to eat me. I don't know if you can see this. <laughs> um... Okay, I think yes. Well, Paul, what do you think? So, that's your prediction, is it, Charlie? I, I think it. Will, I think we'll win two one. Okay, Paul. I was going to go two one as well, and hopefully uh, Sam Phil can start off his uh, or continue because obviously he scored in the cup uh, his uh, goal scoring marathon that you've predicted for him, Paul. I'm telling you, thirty goals a season. I, I don't think it's a, it's, it's a big ask, is it? I mean, Dykes can get sixty, he can get thirty. Why not? It's easy this football lock. Jack? Uh, yeah, I mean, halfway through the Reading game, I think my prediction would have been very different. But I, I think it's great to be back at home after that second half. And I feel like um, everyone will be going to the game feeling a lot more positive, uh, even though it was only a point. I think, I don't know, even just a small upswing in, uh, in mentality amongst the fan base is, is quite good at this point. I think it will at least have provided that. So I think we'll win. And I think we'll win um, 3-1. And I also am going to back Sam Field to grab a brace. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So anyone who puts 50 quid in Sam Fields, um, thank Jack by buying a couple of White Lies LPs at the same <laughs> time as a, as a kind of thank you. Is that is that fair, Jack? Yeah, that's fair. Or just buy me a drink if you see me. 
that you know the other the other band members don't care about QPR at all, and they don't need to profit from my brilliant prediction. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Samfield. He's come, he's come on here. He's been criticised for his lack of the uh, '90s sitcom cultural references. He's been attacked for being a uh, been uh, been well, a politician. Was it in the answers? And now he's got to go out and score how many goals in the weekend? We we yeah, ruined so, this well, We've ruined it. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think we, our expectations are too huge. I think that's fair enough, isn't it? You know, I mean, you, you wouldn't get messy on a PSG podcast by saying, tell you what, mate, during the winter, go and win the World Cup, would you? I mean, you know, what are they doing? He can do that. I mean, yeah, to be fair to Sam Field, he actually has got a very good shot on him. Just doesn't do enough, in my humble opinion. Well, I think after this podcast, he's going he's gonna to know that he has to try and shoot. You've, you've told him that. In explicit terms, really. I think he's going to at least have a go. And if exactly. it all goes horribly wrong, then, I mean, that's on us. It's ba- Ballon d'Or or Bust, I think, now on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, well, listen, it's absolutely been brilliant to have you all on. And um, it's been a good podcast and, and I've enjoyed it. It's been a little bit more cheerier in the last one, which was a bit sort of, which is understandable. We've just been dumped out of the FA Cup by a team that played Captain Ficking Pogwash. What did we expect? <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so a bit more cheery. Charlie, brilliant having you back, big man. Hopefully we'll, we'll have you on more often once now you're back in, in town and you, you finish uni and stuff like that there. So good to have you back on. Paul, yeah. it's always an absolute pleasure to have you on. And I can't believe you, you back White Lies so much by demanding that the club play the records all the time, even though <laughs> Jack tells you not to because they don't care about QPR. I'm, I'm going to have to have that tattoo removed. Yeah. <laughs> you will do these things and Jack thank you for your um, coming back after 12 years or whatever it was it's good to see you still in the bush and going to Rangers as well and hopefully yeah, it'll be 12 it. years before you get back on again uh, I'll be on any time you want me Paul uh, you're a good man thank you guys and yeah. um, this has been Open All Ours come on you Oz and let's beat Swansea Rangers